Hello, welcome to Book Shambles. This is part two of our end of year special, uh, chatting to lots of different people backstage at our Christmas gigs about the best things they've read this year. So it's a huge bumper episode this time around. Uh, we're talking to Josie Long and Professor Brian Cox and Helen Chersky and Ronnie LeDrew and Chris Stokes and Matt Parker and Grace Petrie and Hannah Fry and so many others, the Octavia Poetry Collective and Kat Arney, Chris Lintot, Susie Imber and on and on and on and on. So you're bound to get a mountain of recommendations from this episode. And as always, you will find full reading lists for this episode and all the other episodes on the Cosmic Shambles website, cosmicshambles.com slash bookshambles for all of that. That's also where you'll find links to Patreon uh, to pledge to support the show, support the network so we can keep making podcasts and blogs and live shows and all that sort of stuff, including, if you've not uh, already seen, uh, we made a film of... Robin Ince's poem about woodland adventures with his son that he's been doing live as part of the Chaos of Delight tour and also did at Nine Lessons. Lots of people have been requesting that we do a version of that and put it up online. So we went out and filmed it in the actual woods uh, where he built the dens with his son and that's available online as well. Uh, if you go to the Cosmic Shambles website, you'll find that. It's called Sandman Hugs and Final Dens. Uh, thank you for your lovely comments about that. Uh, over the last week that people have been enjoying it. And now on to this week's episode. Hello, welcome to uh, Christmas Book Shambles. Uh, we briefly have a moment uh, with uh, Josie Long. Uh, Josie, it's Christmas Book Shambles and New Year Book Shambles. Yes. Uh, book of the Year Shambles. Now, you haven't read that much this year, have you? No, I haven't. Um but I can tell you what I've enjoyed. I can tell you friends of mine that have written books. So um, I I really enjoyed, who is also a friend of mine, so I feel very cheesy, but I really enjoyed The One Who Wrote Destiny by Nika Shukla. It was great. I enjoyed Maven America by Maeve Higgins. It was great. Oh, I've not read that. I didn't it's even know so, that was out. It's so funny. Oh, she's great. And it was great. I, I, a friend of mine was round at my house and he was reading it as well. And he was laughing so much he started like picking bits out and then um, reading them out laughing. And it was just such a joy to sort of have that. Um, I read Kate Davis's book, uh, In at the Deep End. I really enjoyed it. It was great. Um, oh, f uh, yeah, Fatima Asghar, If They Come For Us, poetry collection. That was one. I mean, I have raved about all of this on the podcast because I haven't read enough not to, uh, no, to have held fair. stuff as, back. As, as regular listeners know, <laughs> there is very, very good reason. They will, I'm sure, uh, any, anyone who has been through the very positive situation. Um, um, yes. What, what, also, what I... Find oh, one Sorry, more thing. On. My friend Henry Bell has written a book called John McLean, Hero of Red Clydeside, about the uh, Scottish socialist of... Uh, the turn of the last century and it's brilliant I've just got it I haven't read it yet but I bought it for my mum for Christmas guess what I bought my dad for Christmas Robin Ince I'm a joke and so are you I was so excited I thought he'd really really enjoy it um, and it meant that I got to have a sneaky read of it first which was great did you just think, um, double check what did I say in my interview well I see I, I did there's nothing <laughs> I don't think about your no there's nothing no. about my family or my childhood I was quite careful actually when I wrote it out because we, we sat in uh, where we, we were in uh, no it wasn't Wellington it was uh, oh, yeah. uh, Christchurch wasn't it we sat yes. outside a, a cafe in Christchurch 
and uh, and as I was doing the transcript, I, I I thought, oh no, do you know what? That's because we were chatting as friends, and the yeah, yeah, the things certain things have been a little bit. Um... Uh, what's the word, rangy about. And um, what else did I recommend? Oh, um, I just have been, I've been really excited to think that I have a little daughter and I can introduce her to Michael Rosen. There's so much Michael Rosen and it's for all ages of kid. So I just bought a book of his, which is like very silly poems for tiny little babies. And I'm like, this is so great. And obviously he's got his adult things as well. So Michael Rosen is the writer for all generations. Do you know the one that I'm, that in fact, I talked to a person in New and Bookshop, which is the bookshop that does all the stuff when we're here, and uh, the queue around the block for Michael Rosen when he was doing the old Vic signing is huge. Wow. But someone that I love is, uh, and, and it's a while yet, you know, you've got eight years, but you can have uh, my son's old copies, Andy Stanton, who writes these fantastic books that are so, and the one that uh, my son's just been reading is, I don't know how new it is, but it's all set in caveman times. Oh, so it's all kind of just, you know, slightly broken. A little bit like the first chapter of uh, Voices from the Fire by Alan Moore. <laughs> and a little bit like Anthony Burgess, but just for, for you know, for kids. Yeah. And, and he loves reading it out aloud because it has this fantastic rhythm and the way that the language is broken down and simplified. Well, so that's very exciting for a little kid, isn't it? Like, to be like, whoa, books can be like this as well. Wow, somebody's done, been this playful with the language and this thoughtful with how they've chosen to pitch it. Yes, so I'm very excited about building up a library for my little daughter. She's mainly reading the That's Not My series, which is repetitive and uh, predictable. Yeah. Let me guess. Oh, let me guess. The last one we see is going to be the panda. That's of... not my Father Christmas. That's not my alien. That's they didn't yeah. Them, yeah, that's not my witch, which I'm like, what? Look. I could conceive that you own a squirrel, right? I could conceive that you own a dog. You don't own a witch. That's, a witch owns I, I, you. I still think that's the best, the best Mother's Day present I've ever done with my son was when we made a That's Not My Mummy book, oh, very specifically about uh, her that's you know, so sweet. glue, stapling, everything. And what all was it like? That mummy's too soft. Yeah, well, that mum's got 17 eyes. You know, all the normal kind of rules, oh, you know. Did you have a photograph of her at the end? In the middle of her face. Did you have a photograph of her? No, we did her, her own version of, of her, and, and so it all went terribly wrong because his drawing ability suggests it was an insult. <laughs> anyway, happy Christmas. Happy uh, Christmas. And, uh, what do you what, do for Christmas? Um, I just, we're just staying at home this time. Oh, that's uh, nice. Go and walk down the canal with my son, get out of the house and enjoy the very different sense of quiet that there is on Christmas Day. Love it. And, of course, anyone you pass, good day, Merry Christmas, sir. Yeah. And it doesn't matter Except how tight you Except as we hit. walk down the canal, people have that look of going, I don't think anyone else will be walking down the canal. <laughs> Someone's going to find out. It really does feel like <laughs> that if you walk down a canal, for some reason, other people in the canal, it's quite suspicious. Oh no! <laughs> I, I better. We we're not. Yeah, we, we haven't got rid of anything. Yeah, I better go and do the rest of the compare for the gig, and you better go home. Yes. Happy Christmas! Happy Christmas! Thank you for my Christmas present, my friend. That was one of my favourite um, comic books, uh, which is a really beautiful one from Self Made Hero, out in the open. Anyway, thanks. Bye. He's uh, now just before calling Infinite Monk Cage uh, on tour next year forever, aren't we? Uh, no, there's a finite amount of time okay. uh, that we're on tour for. You couldn't tour forever, uh, technically, because because of entropy. So when do you <laughs> really? think, just in case, because obviously we've added dates and there might be dates added again, but people might think they're always going to be adding dates. Is there a point where, no, we can't add any more dates now? Yeah, there will be point. I mean, locally, I suppose, in the solar system, there comes a point in not too long, about 
I think it's under two billion years when surface conditions on the on, on the Earth are far too hot because of the um, increasing heat of the sun. As the sun gets older, it gets hotter, and so that makes the Earth uninhabitable. So I think. Uh, let's say a billion and a half to be safe for insurance purposes I would say a billion and a half years we'd have to stop okay so but, for those of you looking at the uh, new dates of it in the autumn you know thinking oh maybe again well only there's only going to be a few more times you know what 27 million 270 million more tours dates we might add the, no it could we could possibly add but we'd have to cryogenically freeze each other Right. Um, I, if I were you, I'd just do your head. I would. Yeah, I would You don't trust need you. that. You no, don't need. No, you don't need I, that other stuff. You could just put me onto a doll's body that's made out of. Water. Well, anything that's really. Fine. I mean, yeah, anything any would do, body, wouldn't it? Yeah. Right? Just a, a, yeah. A, a skewer with some pineapple on it. That'd be fine. Yeah, and, and a cardigan. Um, so, what you? Uh, um, what have you read this year that you've enjoyed? Um, <laughs> my my favourite book. Let's have a look on Kindle. Let, let me say, because I've been reading a lot of books on Kindle, because I, I sit there, I carry them around with me, not in a rucksack like you do. I know, no sciatica for you. So the books I'm reading at Kindle at the moment, absolutely superb book called General Relativity from A to B. And it's by uh, Robert Giroche. Right. Giroche. And it's a very old book. It's from 1978. And is that for the general reader or the special yeah, reader? Yeah, it's for the general reader. And it's... Uh, I think the best explanation of relativity in general and general relativity specifically that I've ever read. It's absolutely superb. And I, I actually mentioned this to um, Faye Dauker, who, who uh, regular listeners of Cosmic, Cosmic Gene and Munkage will, will know, is a professor of physics specialising in general relativity. And she said that, um, she told a story, I think this is right, she said that John Wheeler, he was a great physicist. He was a supervisor to virtually everybody. Um, was asked to rank the his PhD students, ex-PhD students, in order. And I think he said that Kip Thorne was third, Richard Feynman was second, and Gerosh was top wow. in terms of intelligence. But Gerosh was certainly top. I can't remember the order of the other ones. So th this... It's a tremendous book that has insight in it that even if, if you're listening to this and you are a professor of theoretical physics specialising in general relativity and you haven't read it, you should still read it. I what about um, other uh, other books you've read of any non-science? I know you read Eric Idle's... Uh... Eric Idle's uh, sort of biography yeah. is superb, not least because there's a picture of me in it. But... Um, there's also many other pictures of people like George Harrison. <laughs> Another thing, it's, it's a brilliant book. Um, it is a bit physics. What did, what, did you, what did you learn most from? You, you've known Eric for quite a few years. Were the things that, as you read, that you thought, now that is a you know something that you'd really not known about him from all the time that you spent with him. Yeah, because his it's interesting. His comedy history goes back. The, the you know the, the way that he started and the way that he came through university and started working. Script writing on uh, that was the week that was I think and, and those things with Frost, I think that's right and um, the, the, that kind of the the way that the, all the comedians of the time were working together writing those classic the, I suppose the first satirical scripts that ended up on the BBC, yeah that was fascinating. So so if you want to know how Python became Python, it's brilliant in that bit. And David I, I Frost certainly very important, wasn't he, to a lot of you know because whether it's the two runners or whether it's Python or you know there's um, <clears throat> his involvement. It's kind of central, I think, at the time. That's true. I'm looking at the. I'm still looking at these books. There's a 
a great book, uh, Black Holes and Time Warps by uh, Kip Thorne. Oh, yeah, I bought that, actually. Absolutely yeah. superb book. Um, it is very physics-y. Um, Quantum Mechanics, The Theoretical Minimum by Leonard Susskind, the great book. The, the large-scale structure of space-time, Hawking and Ellis. Mm-hmm. Someone told me to get that because I wanted to understand more about black holes. And it's a, and actually, I, I just tweeted today that the uh, Amazon sent me one of those mails and it said, um, specifically, I have to get the wording right. You can edit this, though, can't you? Yeah. Talking away, Let me just read this out because it's a brilliant email. So it said... We'll give Brian a minute to find the email and come back. Mm. I'm now eating one of the um, chocolates backstage at Nine S and Carol for Curious People. I'm with someone who's done some of my favourite theatrical pieces, uh, monologues and dialogues, and has two collections out of uh, really beautifully written, again, pieces originally intended for performance, but which, which read wonderfully, um, one of which more trees to climb, uh, they're each of us. Uh, it's Ben Moore. Um, ben, you read a lot and you read broadly. What have you enjoyed? In fact, I'll start off, let's show this. Uh, comics. Oh. You, yes. Any comics this year? Uh, Tom King's Batman has been amazing. Um, uh, what else? Um, uh, oh, uh, comics. Paper Girls is always great. Um, anything by Jonathan Hickman I've picked up. And... Um, else has been brilliant lots of well 2000 ad just regularly fantastic and in general what what books have you uh can you recall at this point of the year that you think oh i've delighted in that your book <laughs> no it's brilliant uh ryan o'neill's their brilliant careers have you read that oh, oh, oh it's fantastic it's and, and i i didn't i was i was getting weirdly enough and i said a link for someone we were talking about before um alan moore gave it to me oh. and uh and, and i started reading it and i hadn't really worked out and so first of all i'm going wow this crazy right-wing science fiction rock oh hang on and then when you finish it you go back to the beginning and you read everything in the book everything that's printed in that book is re- uh, without spoilers, it's extraordinary. It really, um, yeah, a fantastic book. Um, I'd love uh, Ryan North, another Ryan, uh, How to Invent Everything. Uh, basically, a, oh, don't say basically, basically fingers. Um, that's another thing, don't worry. Um, that's a textbook on how to recreate civilization if you're a time traveler stuck in the past. And it tells you how to do everything required to create modern civilization but without all the huge gaps that human beings have created over the last thousands and thousands of years. Novels-wise, I've loved Bitter by Francesca Jacobi. I've loved um, Sing Unburied Sing by Jasmine Ward. Um, the Animators by Kyla Ray, Kayla Ray Whitaker. Um, tons and tons of fantastic books. Um, um, I can't remember any of them, but they're all on my website, special.com slash Ben. Uh, there's a list of uh, 10 of my favourite books of the year. That's brilliant. And I should have got that newsletter, but obviously I've somehow unsubscribed. No. I'm going to resubscribe this evening. Ben Moore, each of us, no more trees to climb. More trees to climb. Why did I say no more trees to climb? I must be feeling pessimistic. There's more trees to climb. Uh, do you know what? In fact, there's a bit in my book which is kind of a reference to you, and I don't know if you noticed it. Is it? Yeah. Well, there's, there's a, a bit when I talk trees. about the, the space of the, how the size of time when you're three years old, okay. and that was very much influenced by oh, you. You're very kind. Thank you. Thank you, Ben Moore. Thank you, Ben.
Uh, just backstage at the moment with Dr. Carl, who's been over in the UK, uh, not merely doing two of these shows, but also he has been two lectures at the Royal Institution uh, Theatre. Uh, one at the Royal Institution um, and one at, uh, for the people at Nature magazine. So, what, uh, what have been the favourite But when you're not writing books? And I think mm. you said, is it 46 or are you on the 47th? 44, I'm working on 45 at the moment which is going to be revolutionary, but I'll talk about that later when it comes out. So my favourite book, I've just read Factfulness by Hans Rosling, which I have been told by a Swedish person is pronounced Hans Rosling, but that's okay, H-A-N-S, Rosling. And it is similar to The Better Angels of Our Nature by Steven Pinker, except for the fact that you can read it in one afternoon instead of a week. And it basically says the world is pretty good in many ways and we can improve it, but don't feel bad. And I guess the reason that you think the world is not good is because of the media, have a, the commercial media have a motto which runs like this, if it bleeds, it leads. And so you're getting all the bad news and none of the good news. So that's book number one. And the second one is by um, Richard de Crepney, C-R, spelt, pronounced de Crepney, spelt de Crispigny, C-R-E-S-P-I-G-N-Y. And he was the pilot, the chief pilot, when an aeroplane, an Airbus 380, QF32, and that's the title of one of his books, um, had an uncontained failure of an engine. Now, think about a jet engine and think about the blades inside the jet engine. There's hundreds of them, and each blade is roughly the size of the palm of your hand, and it is extracting 900 horsepower from the airstream. The engine blew up for various reasons, dumped a couple of hundred kilograms of stuff over a village, which immediately reported the plane as having blown up. And then uh, uncontained failure means that bits of the engine then flew into the body of the Airbus 380 and started chopping fuel lines, hydraulic lines, electrics. Out of the 11 fuel tanks, they had only three left because gravity doesn't need electricity, so it kept on working by gravity. And they, they, they were able to keep going on that. And then, the, by an amazing bit of luck, they had five pilots in the cockpit and they managed to land the plane and nobody died. And from this, he's written a leadership book which called Fly, F-L-Y, which for the first time is not a leadership book where I roll my eyes, you know, the sort of thing where you go to conferences and people say, I have climbed the tallest mountain on each contact continent and so you too can be a winner. Or I was a keeper in a game park and dealt with lions and you too can deal with the lions in your and all that sort of wanky stuff. Um, uh, instead, it's um, got really good advice such as, uh, I like the model that applies in Air Force land, in airplane land, which is, we all make mistakes, admit them, there's no blame, which is different from the hospital system. And the hospital system then leads to, firstly, there's um, blame associated, and secondly, things the, the failure rate is much higher. And if we took the aircraft model across to the hospital system, it would be a better place. So it's, uh, my only problem with the book is it's got a lot of things that you've got to remember, like acronyms. So just remember this acronym, and then that one, and that one, and there's about ten of them. And um, But apart from that, it's a it's absolutely fabulous. So Richard de Crepney, QF32, and Fly. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Um, anyway, now, now backstage with Susie Imber and uh, Chris Lintot, and just very quickly find out the books that you... It doesn't have to be on your, your speciality. Um, books that you've enjoyed most this year, Susie, if I start with you. Oh, my goodness. I feel like you're putting me on the spot. Yeah, now. I am. It's great. It's, it's when you find out how our memory works, because so many people go, I know I've read 100 books, but I, my brain says you've done nothing. 
<laughs> I can pass it to Chris if you want to have a little thing. I just finished. I just finished a book called Frenchman's Creek by Daphne du Maurier, and I really enjoyed it. So that's going to be my book of the year. Oh, I love her as well. Just for did you have you read any of the like the shorter things like Don't Look Now and The Birds? No, I have. I've read The Birds. Yeah, I've read The Birds. I haven't read Don't Look Now though. It sounds yeah. Which is the one where the Cornish try and take over the country? There's a sort of it's very post-Brexit. Frenchman's Creek is about a um uh, about a pirate basically a French pirate who goes into Cornwall and kind of uh, ends up stealing from all the Cornish people. I mean, The Birds is another strange one, isn't it? About birds taking over the world and. I love I love Daphne du Maurier. I love all her books. Rebecca is a yeah. Rebecca's actually probably one of my I think it's probably books the, the only novel of hers. The rest of it I've only read the the short stories. Don't Look Now is quite remarkable. Oh, I'm going to look that up now. Have you ever seen the film with Don't Look Now? No. Nick Rogue, who died uh, this year, who made Walkabout, Performance, Man Who Fell to Earth, Don't Look Now. Uh, it's one of the most brilliant films ever. I'm going to go home and and look it up. I'll tell you what, I cancelled doing this gig. Yeah, Just go home I'm now. <laughs> Chris, what about you? I read uh, a science fiction book by Adrian. I, somewhere around the start of the year, I got really depressed about the world. And I wandered into a bookshop and I didn't know I was looking for science fiction. I came out with a stack about <laughs> as high as my head of play, things set in other universes. Uh, and then I picked the most depressing one off the top. So uh, my book of the year is Adrian Tchaikovsky's Children of Time. Oh, you're the second read that? Jesus, it's the first really, double up. It's yeah. really good. It's partly it's a dystopian future where there are very few humans left and we've ruined everything, so very appropriate. But mostly it's got a race of intelligent spiders. And, and one of the things I love about it is he goes into such detail about how the spiders develop space travel. So you have to imagine sort of a 1950s, <laughs> 60s, in our timeline equivalent. So they're spinning um, spider spacesuits and, and they have airships and, and they'd have, it's just so well thought through I mean this man probably sat for years thinking about what it would really be like for spiders to travel into space he's, he's put a lot of thought in this isn't just a gimmick and, and I love that and it's brilliant and, when was it written? it's a couple of years old but, but I, I found it and it, it, it's really good so that, so that and I'm just reading um, Brian Phillips do you know him? he's an he's a, a American essay writer who um, mostly wrote, wrote about sport uh, for a website called Grantland and then had a breakdown and it's kind of obvious in his writing that that's happening to it because he stops writing about sport and starts writing about how oppressive it is to be in the multimedia centre at Wimbledon and so on. Anyway, he's got a book called Impossible Owls, which is a collection of essays and he's got this gift of making you care about anything he's writing about. And so I was sitting last night, uh, late at night, desperately reading up on the history of Japanese sumo wrestling because I cared because I'd read this essay <laughs> and I, I, I love that idea that you can make somebody care about something obscure. And what a beautiful title. What about within your, your kind of own work, are there any books that you feel have uh, been particularly useful in terms of for the general public? I realise that it's weird that when you have a speciality course you don't read the kind of books that I'm going to read because I don't know anything. But uh, has there been anything this year where you felt in terms of communication of scientific ideas... There hasn't been, I haven't read any planetary science books this year for popular science. Have you, have you seen Emily Lapdewalla's book about curiosity? No. So Emily writes for the Planetary Society. She's a blogger and geophysicist. And she set out to write a popular book about the first few years of the Curiosity rover on Mars. Mm -hmm. And when she, she tried to write this book for a couple of years, as you know, write, Robin, writing books is hard. Um, she tried to do this and she eventually looked down and what she'd written was the technical manual for curiosity. So <laughs> yeah. if you want to know precisely why it has the right number of bolts <laughs> in each wheel, it's, it's amazingly readable if you like this stuff. And it, it's sort of 
200 pages thing. She's still supposed to write the popular book. For now, we've got the <laughs> sort of the user's manual to oh, your own Mars Rally. Yeah, it's really oh. good. Brilliant. Susan Chris, thanks very much. Thanks. Amber, I must have found that email by now. So let's go back to Robin Ince and Brian Cox. Oh, it's not here. It's not a very good anecdote, is it? No, that was one of the less good anecdotes. But in the edit, it'll be great. <laughs> I'm going to find it now. I'm going to find it. We'll give him a little bit longer. Uh, the bit of blues in the background, standing by a freight lift. We are backstage uh, with Hannah Fry, whose book Hello World is doing tremendously well and has just sold out. In fact, the books are where we are. Uh, Hannah, apart from your own book, favourite books of the year? <laughs> um, can I have three? Yep. Okay, so number one, in no particular order, is All That Remains by Sue Black. Just so brilliant, this book. So um, she is a forensic anthropologist, which means that she, she goes in after there's been some kind of a disaster and works to identify um, the remains of, of the individuals who, who are affected. Um, so it's her memoir, really. It's, sort of, uh, it's, it's, it's her life and her work. It's just the most powerful sort of love letter to death, almost. It's just the most incredible book. Absolutely loved it. We had her on Monkey Cage, and we've had her, I think, a couple of times, and she's so... You're right, that depth she has in terms of... Because you know, she's dealt with, as you know from you know, reading the book, the, you know, these places where genocides occur, where she is going to discover... You know, and, but she has this incredible matter of fact, not in a way that is... Uh, you're in any way dismissive. It's it's a way totally. of viewing death, which is is not entirely cold. It's, exactly, it's, yeah. I agree. It's almost warm. It's almost welcoming. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just I, it really changed my mind on on the way that I see death actually. And I think that you can't give a book higher praise than that really than to change your mind. Um, okay, so second one is um, a book that I was up against for a prize, and then I started reading. Um, I decided to read it, and was like, actually, I think this one should win because it's way better. It didn't win, um, but it was *The Spy and the Traitor* by Ben McIntyre, right? Yeah. Um, which is about uh, Oleg Goliewski. I think I've said that right. Um, a Russian uh, KGB agent who's flipped and uh, and was spying for Britain. Just written like a thriller, but all completely factual. Absolutely amazing. Um, total page tenor. And then I think the third one um, is one that I'm reading at the moment, which I'm really loving. And it's called The Choice. And it's by someone called Edith, but I can't remember her surname. But um, it's quite a heavy subject. She, um, she was, she's a, a survivor. She was, in, um, she was in Auschwitz. And she went on to be a psychiatrist. And she just talks about, essentially, like how her whole life view is framed by having this choice, really, of deciding to be a survivor. Um, and just everything that she does. I mean, she talks about really trivial things in there, like, you know, someone who got their Cadillac painted the wrong colour. Um, but she doesn't trivialise it. It's just, yeah, it's really, really beautifully written and really powerful stuff. Brilliant. Thank you, Hannah. Hello, uh, we're backstage again and uh, backstage with uh, Grace Petrie, Matt Parker and Chris Stokes. Uh, Grace is not going to tell us about any of the books that she's read this year because she's told me already that they're all too shit for her to reveal <laughs> that she's actually read them. So whatever you I've think is the... I've read anything. But you've, no, you've, busy. I've been driving all year. Yeah, well, that's the difference, isn't it? Gigs. Yeah, I read a lot because I'm on trains. Yeah, that okay, is what, the difference. What, what have you listened to that you particularly um, taken a shine to? Um, I've been listening to a lot of personal best this year. Um, I'm not just going to do the lineup of my show on Sunday, but I have also been listening to a lot of Jasmine Kennedy. Um, the Youngins, the folk band The Youngins, had a fantastic show about Spanish Civil War, Civil Brigada. 
um, which was called The Ballad of Johnny Longstaff, and that's recorded and just recently out. Uh, Colour Me Wednesday had a new album out called Counting Pennies in the Afterlife, which I absolutely loved and have been enjoying that a lot. I've been listening to uh, an American artist called Mal Blum. Their stuff, I just discovered that earlier on in the year. So lots and lots of music. Not very many books, sorry. I'll um, read some in time for next year. the least worst book you've read that you could at least admit to us that you've read? It was pretty shit. I read a book by a guy called Robin Ince. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was dreadful. And um, a lot of, when you go on the internet, people don't believe that people like me are oppressed. <laughs> yeah. Um, I believe you won't have read all of it, though. You only read the two pages you're on. Two, two pages, yeah. No, um, it's not even two pages, is it? Yeah, no, but you're in the end scene. You're in the end scene of a chapter, so that's like a good bit to be in, yeah. Yeah. Th- well, you know, a bit of third act tension. You're the denouement. That's how I see you. Please welcome the denouement. Grace Picture. You're using words I don't understand again. Talk to Matt Parker about his books. No, no, but apart from how my terrible book with you in it, um, go on, one more. One more that you've read that you're ashamed of. I I have... The reason that I was avoiding answering this is that I really... I don't know what I've read this year, literally. I've been reading reading the news a lot and listening to a lot of music. This year, I mean, I've reread a lot of stuff. What did you reread? John O'Farrell's book about the Labour Party. Things can only get better. Oh, yeah. He was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, reread a lot of old Ben Elton stuff, audiobooks in the car, um, some of his old uh, murder. What's your favourite Ben Elton book then? I'm so old, um, I remember when Stark came out. I really love his book called uh, Past Morton, which is um, it's a, it's quite outdated now, but it's a, a thriller, a whodunit about Friends Reunited, Friends Reunited serial killer who goes back killing people for their misdeeds at school, and it's just very funny. It's very That's funny. the fun thing, isn't it? Because he's always on top of whatever's the latest thing, mm. it also means they date very That's quickly. That's it, yeah. The Big Brother thriller. Big Brother one has aged really quickly, yeah. He did one about... Um, I did read for the first time this year. I read his one about the X Factor, and that wasn't great. But his, mm-hmm. yeah, the Friends Reunited one is really good. And the Dealey Bop murders. The Dealey Bop. The Dealey Bop Bopper murders. Yeah, then you won't know about that. You're mm. too young to know that. No, it's one of those words again. Right. Well, anyway, that wasn't very useful. Matt, <laughs> what have you been reading? Well, I think I've done uh, the opposite. I can remember a couple really, books, really? but all the music I've listened to has just gone from my brain. Mm. I um, read. Actually, I'm halfway through. How to Invent Everything. And I just had to, while you were talking, Grace, I had to frankly Google these titles because I can't remember the author's names. And that was Ryan Knopf who wrote How to Invent Everything. And the, the idea is it's a, a manual for people who've rented a time machine in a version of Earth where we have time machines. And they go back in time. And if there's a malfunction in the machine, it's how to restart civilization from whatever timeline they found themselves in. And the idea is like they found this this manual in a rock somewhere from the ancient past. And so the book starts with, sorry about your time machine going wrong, how to work at what time period you're in, and then what are the important technologies that you can be the first person to invent to be the most important person in civilization. And so it's like the opposite of the knowledge by Lewis Dartnell, which is civilization's collapsed, here's how to restart it, this is, you've gone back too far, here's how to do it your way. And I'm halfway through and thoroughly enjoying it, it's very well written. And then I read um, Early Riser by um, Jasper Ford, I think. I was frantically Googling that as well. 
who writes... I love just um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fiction where something is different. And this is the one where humans have to hibernate. And so it's based in a world where humans sleep for a big chunk of the year and how society adjusts to deal with um, that, which I've, which I've uh, um, enjoyed. And music-wise, goodness. Oh, you don't have to... It's only because Grace was Doesn't read. Oh. and refused to properly answer the question. I went and saw Confidence Man. The They're an Aussie band. And they toured and they were in London. They do weird performance, arty, electronic music. And they're um, some of the people from the Jungle Giants and some other Australian bands. And that, and that was a great performance. And I very rarely go to gigs. And I bought tickets like four to six months in advance and put it in my diary. And uh, my wife Lucy and I went and saw a gig and we were very excited at the fact we could still go out in East London and watch some music well this has totally capsized the whole podcast Grace while you bring this music thing in um, the Idol, Idols I have to say were my, my band of the year there were lots of lovely things but Idols were fantastic um, Chris Stokes you uh, are known for being happy go lucky um, <laughs> what, uh, what have you been reading? I've been reading a lot of Impossible Crime uh, uh, John Dixon Carr I've read uh, all of the books I could get my hands on of his. And a really cool uh, one that was, it's only recently been translated into English, it's a Japanese one from 1980 uh, called The Tokyo Zodiac Murders, which is incredible. But the, real, the really, really good one was a really great story, and there's only one book about it, and unfortunately the book is shit. Um, but I was still really into the story, and I was like, oh, if only someone else could write a better book. So what's the impossible crime? Give me a, a sense. Oh, like locked room stuff. Right. Uh, and there's been a couple of real-life examples. In 1929, there was a bloke who, um, he was so paranoid about being robbed, he owned a laundrette that he lived in. And he was so, 1929 in New York, he was so paranoid about being robbed that he had three deadbolts on the door on the inside and he nailed all of his windows shut. And he was shot three times in his apartment and no murderer or no gun was ever found. Wow. Uh, yeah, and that was unsolved. And there's no book about that which is a shame, but there was another one in 1937. She was a, a, an Italian immigrant, and um, she uh, treated herself to ride first class on the Paris Metro, and she got onto the first carriage. It was expensive uh, in the time, so people would go for standard class. She was the only one that got on this carriage at this metro station. And then a minute and a half later, as the train pulled into the next station along, she had a knife in the back of her neck, and nobody... She was the only one in that carriage between the two stations. Yeah, and that was the book I read. It was called Murder on the Metro. And then as you read more about it, you end up getting into sort of like the rise of fascism in 1930s France because it was a hit, basically. Um, so, uh, 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 it was, and also it was really frightening uh, about how it's sort of happening now, this sort of like the extreme left and the extreme right are just at each other's throats. And um, it was also a warning as well as a really cool murder mystery. So the one about the uh, the bolted door, I presume yeah. that's part the reason there's no book about it is because the book would basically be this man locked his house yeah, and, and no one he knows. got killed. Yeah, no one there's knows. No evidence. For it. No one knows anything. No. The really weird thing is 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 that he uh, he he put his iron on. He put his iron on, uh, and when he was found, uh, the iron hadn't got hot enough to burn what it was resting on. So how, like, how was he found so quickly? Exactly. He's got three mm. bolts on. Uh, well, write this his neighbour, his neighbour, get this, his neighbour, this is incredible, nominative determinism or what, she was called Lachlan Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and she heard him scream. 
but she didn't hear any gunshots. So how did she get in? Uh, she didn't. She went and got a policeman. The policeman turned up, couldn't get in because the windows were shut, and obviously the door was deadbolted from the inside. There was a transom window, one of those little narrow windows above the door. They had to smash that, and they couldn't get in. It was too small, so they had to, uh, there was a child nearby because a crowd had gathered. They had to put this little boy through who climbed in through this broken transom window and found this bloke shot three times. With no gun or no... Sorry, can I just say what a terrible iron he bought? Because even that, <laughs> there's no way I've ever bought an iron that in the time yeah. for someone to be murdered, someone else to then inform the police, the police to then find a boy to go into a skylight. My irons, I, that's actually how I check how long it takes for them to heat. Right. And that's by the time <laughs> the boy gets through the skylight, I've got a lovely neat shirt already. Oh, well, that's... That, I mean, it was 1929 and it was a gas iron. So okay. I don't know whether you use those now. Just, just depends on my oh, right. <laughs> Depends on the crease I'm after. You are a bit of a retro man. I, like, I think that you were sort of like, you would use a, you listen to vinyl, you use a 1929 gas iron to do your laundry. And my oven's made of clockwork. There you go. You were going to say something, man. So maybe back then police were a lot quicker. And if you wanted to borrow a random child, there's less paperwork. And so they just went. The oh, cops yeah. in here, grab a kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. in you go. You're and right, because yeah. in the old silent movies, cops always move quicker, don't yeah, they? They've got yeah. different jobs to move. Form. Yeah, yeah. And yeah it seems colour slows us colour down, doesn't it? Down. If, if we were still monochrome, we'd move a lot quicker than we do now. Thanks. <laughs> Due to having going uh, on and off stage to introduce people, uh, I'm now merely handing over the recording device. Um, to Kat Arnie, Ronnie LeDrew and Helen Chersky, and they are going to pass it around and say their favourite books of the year. It doesn't have to be a book that came out this year, just things that you've enjoyed reading. Uh, who shall I pass it to first? Helen, you've been placed under pressure. I'm just off to uh, introduce the next act. See you later. I'm, I'm struggling to remember my favourite book of the year. Have either of you two got a, a thing that's I'm come to mind? I'm googling frantically for the name of the actual writer who wrote right. it. Um... Mm. It's terrible. Well, the terrible thing about books is that you read them and they're amazing, and then you put them on the bookshelf and you can't quite remember what they were called. Uh, oh, I've got mine. I've, uh, the Google has come through. So uh, I've got two books of the year. I think that's probably cheating. So one of them is Bad Blood by a journalist called John Carreyou. Uh, I pretty much only read nonfiction, and it's an amazing book about the story behind Theranos which was this kind of biological diagnostics company that was led by this woman, Elizabeth Holmes. And it's an incredible book. Like, right from the first page, you're like, oh, my God, this is terrible. And then it just gets worse from there. So it's, it's, if you're interested in, in bioscience, biotech, technology, how can someone get millions and millions of dollars for something that is clearly fraudulent? Uh, it's an amazing story. And then the other book that I read this year is um, a fiction book. I read some fiction, and it's The Power by Naomi Alderman, which is an amazing story, and it's about what would happen if women basically became human tasers and how that's, that would change. That's a very, that in, sounds very violent. It's an incredible, it's an incredible book. It just completely changes like gender politics, um, everything. Uh, it's got commentary on religion, gender, all sorts of things. And it's absolutely amazing. But because I only read nonfiction, I was telling my boyfriend about it and he was like, it's, it's, can you actually do that? Uh, so he <laughs> thought it was real. It's not real, but it is an amazing book. So th those two are my favourite books this year. You've done well for remembering mm. too. Ronnie, have you got... Well, I mean, it's not actually a... It's, again, it's a theory. Book on puppetry, I hate to say, is the last one I've read. It. And it's um, a book by Mervyn Miller, and it's a sort of 
how to do it, but with sort of, um, you know, operating puppets, all sorts of different types and, and different ways of sort of getting students to get really excited about working their puppets. But that's fascinating because you've been doing it for so many years and yet still the book on how to do it is interesting. Well, Mervyn was a student of mine years and years ago and I thought I must get his book, you know, and just see what is. And it's really nice and he's given me a nice sort of, say, you know, people that have helped me through the years. Do you want to see what he's stolen from you? Yeah, well, it is a bit of that. No, no, it isn't. No, he's brilliant. I mean, he worked on the Warhorse um, oh, puppets, you know, and he was one of the main puppets who been over to South Africa where they were all made and everything, Handspring Company. But, um, no, that's my latest book I've been reading, and it is fascinating, it's good, and it's only just been published this this year. Very topical. Very topical. I like that puppets are still topical. And now it's you. Oh, yes, come on. Now it's yes, me. You've been so like musking through this. My so favourite is a book that hasn't come out yet, but I have read the proof copy, and it's Chasing the Sun by Linda Geddes. And oh. she, so it's, it's, you know, there's all these topical things, and she writes a lot about why the sun's important and what's in there. And so it's brand new. So I'm not going to say too much because no. I want to leave introducing it to her. But when it does come out uh, early in the new year, I think people should mm. read that. Of course, it's my book. And of course, let's talk about your book. Well, no, it's called Zippy and Me, of course. <laughs> and it's a sort of biographical, well, I'm going to say biographical, that doesn't sound right. But anyway, it's a book about my life with puppies, how I started, and a little bit of nonsense about how Rainbow was And put that episode of Rainbow. And that episode of Rainbow, indeed. Legend. And, yes. And these people here are practically fainting on the floor here. You know, <laughs> but anyway, no, it's, um, it's lovely. So, yes, that's coming out in probably August, September next year. But we should just say on the recording as well that when you came, when we came off the stage just now, oh, yeah. everyone was asking you for selfies. And the only time I've seen that in, the, you know, the, we, we do these big shows, there are all these amazing people, but the only people I've seen get such attention for selfies have been Apollo astronauts. Wow. So well are. done, you and Zippy. Thank you, thank you. You and the astronauts. Yeah. Okay. Hello. We are the Octavia Collective and... <laughs> We are three out of 17. Uh, I am a poet and astrophysicist, Sineno Bragava. Um, I'm Sarah Lasoye. I'm a poet and uh, organizer around women's rights and education, and I work at NUS as the women's officer. And I am Rachel Long, um, and I am a poet and leader of Octavia Poetry Collective for Women of Color. And we're here to, um, to give you our books and poems that we have really loved throughout uh, 2018. We have been uh, trawling through our list, uh, trying to jog our memories to remember all the amazing things that we've read. And uh, this is what we've come up with. So uh, from me, uh, the, the main books that I've really loved um, have been, have been uh, Kitchen by a Japanese author called Banana Yoshimoto. Um, and I, I just loved it. It's a very, it's a very sad story, but it's written with such like dexterity and feeling. And um, I just found myself so absorbed. It's a small one as well, so if you're not a big reader, intimidated by big books, you know, just have that one. You can finish it in a couple of weeks. And he's super pink, isn't he? So it? pink. And such boy, so fun. Day, you just like this book has been in every bookshop I've walked into. Yeah. I just had to buy it, and he never buys himself books. See, mm. see, and it's and it's like. And it's worth it, you know? You're gonna have this fuchsia pink book in your backpack and your handbag. People will ask you about it. And they'll be like, what are you reading? And it's, and it's really good. It was, it was well known, it won loads of prizes. She's quite a reclusive author. Apparently she has, a, she, has a, she has another novel called Asleep. I haven't read it, I'm sure it's great. 
Um, but yeah, that was that was one of the ones. Second one was uh, a very popular novel, I think, but also not very well read because it's outside the canon. Um, and that is uh, The God of Small Things by Arundhati Roy. Uh, Arundhati Roy is an Indian author. Uh, this was her main book. Apparently, it was like 20 years in the making. Like, she literally wrote nothing else but that book. Um, and she only recently actually followed it up. She had a really long break after she published that book. Um, she has a follow-up book called The Ministry of Utmost Happiness. So if you like her writing style, you should read that too. I haven't read it. It's on my list. God of Small Things is beautiful, though. It's it's really lyrical. It's like... it and very, very emotional and very easy to read. She's such a clear novelist. Um, and she also does really amazing things with like words and the way words sound depending on how old you are. There are two kids in the book and she completely changes the language she uses whenever she writes from the perspective of the children. She uses repetition, she uses particular words. She realizes that kids love the way words sound in their mouths and will repeat words for certain reasons because of it. And um, it's a beautiful book. Mm. And the third one is a much sadder book, but also very beautiful, by James Baldwin called Giovanni's Room. Uh, Giovanni's Room is about a uh, a man who is adrift in Paris. He has a fiance, um, but while he's in Paris, he's sort of coming to terms with the fact that he's uh, his closeted bisexuality. Uh, he meets this elusive bartender called Giovanni, and um, and things kind of go from there. And it's very intense. Also, a short book. I don't really, I don't have a very big attention span. <laughs> I like to read small books. Um, and yeah, it's it's also very beautiful, sad, but um, generously written. And James Baldwin is just. A incredible if you don't know get to know uh and that's it from me and i hand it over to sarah lasoye yes. that was such a good selection of books yeah. now i need to like delve into all of them yeah um i just have two books um because i haven't been particularly well read this year but um you should be the president of uh, <laughs> students women's rights been breaking down oh. every other day but i have <laughs> actually read um uh, a book called Heart of the Race, Black Women's Lives in Britain, um, which was co-authored by Stella Dadzi, Beverly Bryan and Suzanne Scaife. Um, and it documents um, their, their experiences and the experiences of um, black women and women of colour organisers um, uh, who founded the organisation of uh, women of African and Asian descent. Um, and it's just really insightful and... Um, practical in terms of the knowledge and advice that they give for feminist organisers now, especially women of colour and black women. So I really recommend it to, yeah, every black British woman interested in feminism. Um, and then the other book... All those who... All those who should be, especially exactly, yeah. So it's not up to us to do the work. Please get to know them because they've been forgotten from a mainstream feminist history for reasons that we all know. Um, I think the second book is uh, Alexander Chi's How to Write an Autobiographical Novel, um, which is a collection of essays by Alexander Chi, who's a novelist, um, but they, you know, stretch from his experience um, protesting in the 80s um, against the US government's lack of action uh, during the AIDS crisis, all the way to an essay I really love about um, Taro and his relationship to Taro um, throughout his life. I think, yeah, I think he's a really talented writer and everyone should begin reading his essays. This is a great place to start. Hello, I'm Rachel. Um, my recommendations are... Uh, Richard Scott's collection, Soho, which is up for the T.S. Eliot Prize um, in January. Um, it's a really brilliant book. 
um, Richard is a friend and you'll see it in a bookshop if you dare to go near the poetry section, which is usually by the toilets in most bookshops. And, uh, and when you see it, it is the brightest pink you can possibly imagine. And he said he wanted it to be the gayest pink Faber could manage. And he got it. Um, it's a really brilliant, beautiful, um, sad and celebratory book uh, about uh, queerness, about shame, um, and about lineage and literary heritage. Um, my second recommendation is um, Terence Hayes' uh, sixth poetry collection, American Sonnets for My Past and Future Assassins, um, which is also up for the T.S. Eliot Prize in 2019. Um, is a collection of all sonnets, and they are all named uh, Sonnet for My Past and Future Assassins. And he wrote... Um, a, he, he swore that he would write a sonnet for every single day that, that um, Trump was president. Mm. Um, so this book is just even like a snippet of all of the sonnets that he's written and is continuing to write as well. There's just some guys singing in the corridor. Um, and then my third uh, selection recommendation is... Um, I think it is this year. I think it does fall into this year. Um, but Audre Lorde's uh, Your Silence Will Not Protect You, which is um, the first time that Audre Lorde's work has been published in the UK. Um, and it was published by um, a woman of colour called Sarah Shin, who is absolutely incredible. And um, she set up Silver Press, which published. And, and it's so rare to have poetry and essays in the same collection. Um, and I assure you, but by the time that you've worked your way through slowly because the the essays are so much you, this there's there's so much that it takes me anyway so long to sort of you have to sit down for days after you've read one um and just look out the window um it's a really stunning collection of work by audrey lord um and a really important thing that the person who brought it over to this country so that we can read it had to be independent and did it off her own back. Mm-hmm. Um, they are my three recommendations. Happy reading. Yeah. Happy reading. Holidays. And holidays. Happy yeah. reading on your holidays. Hello, this is Dr. Susie Gage. The best book I've read this year is a book called Blueprint, How Our Childhood Makes Us Who We Are by Dr. Lucy Maddox. Now, Lucy's a clinical psychologist and lecturer, and we met a few years ago when we were both British Science Association Media Fellows. Her book's all about how things that happen to us during our childhood and when we're really, really young can um, really influence who we become. And it's written in just such a beautiful way. Her writing is so warm and vibrant, and it really draws you in. And she's very kind of nuanced with this that there's no sort of blame or judgment here it's information about 
how our early life experience can shape us, but also the limitations of that and how other factors are at play as well. It's absolutely fascinating. I can't put it down and I recommend that you all read it as well. Good news, Brian's found his email. It said, did the large scale structure of space time meet your expectations? I have no idea. Anyway. Have you read anything else non-science? Because some years you you read a lot of non-science, then some years you uh, really get caught up in it. It looks like I've been reading, uh, recently rereading Hitch 22. Right. Which is Christopher Hitchens' autobiography, which is absolutely superb. Um, Oh, actually, I read an R.C. Clarke book that I hadn't read, The City and the Stars. What a book. It's brilliant. I'd read everything. You know, I remember growing up reading Arthur C. Clarke's books. And for some reason, I hadn't read The City and the Stars. And I think it's his first novel. And it's fantastic. So I strongly recommend that. It's still science fiction, I suppose, isn't it? I went back to reading The Island of Dr. Moreau the other day because I was being interviewed by someone who, at the end of the interview, we were just chatting about books. And she went, well, I've got quite a few like kind of old books and stuff there. And uh, she said, yeah, because my granddad was a science fiction author. And I thought, oh, well, I'll ask, you know, because I know a little bit about science fiction. I said, oh, who was he? Said, oh, he was called H.G. Uh, Wells. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was... Uh... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that looks like it, pretty much. You meant to yeah. have read mine by now. A little bit disappointed. <clears throat> oh, I've got yours. I bought it. Yeah, I think, so it's it's much like, I think it's much like me buying Kip Thorne's book. I bought it. But the possibility of reading no, no, and understanding. I, bought it. I obviously was thinking because I didn't even wait for a free one. I've actually bought it. Yeah. So, so I am intending to read it because I paid my own money for oh, it. Oh, well, that's fine. The purchase was the most important bit for me. I'm very mercenary. Yeah, it was. What's and the then, next book you're going to be reading? The Christmas next book. books. I mean, nice and Christmassy about the uh, curvature of space time. Probably. Uh, the, the, reason, the reason I'm reading all these books is because I'm trying to find things to do on our tour. Yeah. That's why. And then you normally read a, a lovely book that's based around Charles Dickens, isn't it, about the uh, errors of the ghosts in uh, A Christmas Carol, don't you? Did you read that write? to your son every single uh, did you write, Christmas Eve. Did you write one of those things? You know, like, uh, like Kip Thorne wrote the book about Interstellar. Did, did Charles Dickens write but the making of The Christmas Carol? No, I, I think that actually the, the, there are deep flaws in, in Dickens's narrative. Yeah, I'm going to read A Night Before Christmas because we've got mice in our house, so that one has a lot more... I know that can be based in fact. Yeah. So neither Santa. He, he probably shouldn't. Yeah. Some debate. I suppose he, he he could claim that because relativity hadn't been published because it was published in 1905, um, it's reasonable for him to have missed that. Dickens, you know. Well, Although I still think he could have. Look forward to the confrontation you have with him. He could have checked. And we're also going to get uh, some favourite books of the year from Cosmic Shambles. Other producer, Melinda, who you've probably heard on uh, these end-of-year wrap-up book shambles in years past, chatting to everyone backstage at Hammersmith. So what are your top books this year, Melinda? Hello. My favourite books of the year have been um, Be More Pirate by Sam Conniff Allen which is all about um, looking at the principles of democracy that were kind of built and put together in the golden age of piracy and then applying them to business today. Um, Supernormal by Dr Meg Jay, which is all about um, people who go through really challenging experiences and um, build up a lot of resilience. And then Cicada by Sean Tan, who's my favourite, favourite illustrator and children's book writer in the world. Um, it's all about kind of um, 
uh, bullying in the workplace and how badly immigrants get treated. Um, and it's a brilliant book. And I am still also reading Jerusalem by Alan Moore, which I hope to finish by the end of the year. And obviously, if you want to find out more about Supernormal Meg Jay's book, we had Meg on Book Shambles earlier this year, maybe late last year. I think it was this year. Anyway, go back in the archives and you will find that. So that is it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and all the other places. I remember it's now on Spotify as well. Book Shambles is on Spotify. You can listen there if that is your preferred way to listen to podcasts. Uh, support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash bookshambles or cosmicshambles.com. You'll find everything there as well as all our blogs and videos and everything else. Hope you've had a great Christmas uh, or a great New Year or perhaps a great March if this that's uh, when you're listening to this episode. We'll be back next week, uh, of course, with another new episode. Bye for now. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. Josie Robbins' Book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions. Thank you.